and welcome to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, Spears Gilbert Associate Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. My guest is Milan Markovich, Professor of Law and co-convener of the program in Law and Social Science at the Texas A&M University School of Law. We will discuss his article, The Paradox of Minority Attorney Satisfaction, which he co-authored with Gabrielle Plickert and which is published in the International Review of Law and Economics. So welcome to the show, Milan. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, I, I, the pleasure is all mine. I'm really glad you sent along this paper, which presents a fascinating uh, empirical study, which uh, I found really intriguing, and I think there's a lot to be said about it. I, I mean, I, w- I wonder if you could start by just talking a little bit about what the study you conducted for this paper was designed to look at. Well, what, what were you trying to study in this paper? Great. Well, my larger project and really a lot of my uh, recent scholarship has kind of challenged conventional wisdom about uh, lawyers and the legal uh, market. So I wrote a paper in 2016, 2017, kind of questioning some of the use of statistics related to uh, access to justice. And around this time, there was also a lot of discussion about the return on investment with respect to uh, law school. Uh, And I'm very fortunate to be in Texas, which has a great state bar that is a department of research and analysis. And what they enabled me to do was work with them and collect data from Texas lawyers on their income, as well as various types of uh, satisfaction. Uh, So what we essentially did was work with the state bar and send this out to uh, their entire uh, membership. And Texas has has an integrated bar, and you have to obviously be a member of the bar to practice. Uh, So we ended up reaching... Um, an incredible amount of, of lawyers, um, something along the lines of uh, 90,000 uh, lawyers, and uh, received responses from uh, a large number of them, um, over uh, 11,000, well over 11,000. And uh, the, there were two articles that we wrote using that data set, uh, and there's a third coming out. But the first involves um, comparing lawyers before and after the recession in terms of their satisfaction. And we found uh, significant differences, but that generally speaking, lawyers were still satisfied regardless of whether they began practicing before or after the recession. Uh, And this uh, more recent article, The Paradox of Minority Attorney Satisfaction, kind of highlights something that we found very surprising when we were looking at the data, namely the very high levels of satisfaction among minority attorneys, particularly Hispanic and African-American attorneys in Texas. Mm. Well, so, so for this second paper, was was that a subject you were planning to study when you did the data collection, or was it kind of an observation that grew out of the data that you gathered? We absolutely did not expect to write an article on this subject. Uh, we were just quite frankly surprised by the very high level of satisfaction that we saw among minority attorneys in Texas which um, is really kind of counter to a lot of the narratives you see in the media, but also some uh, legal scholarship. So this was purely a happenstance that we uh, found this in our data, and we decided to analyze it more closely. Hmm. Well, what would the reasons be to expect minority attorney satisfaction to be lower or to there to be some sort of dissatisfaction? So I think it's no secret that the legal profession continues to have a a major problem when it comes to representation of minorities in the profession. 
Um, if you look at the uh, percentage of Hispanic or African-American attorneys, um, it's really each group is at about 5%, uh, well below uh, what they are represented generally in the population. Uh, there's also been significant research, particularly in the context of law firms, showing the, the various challenges uh, from outright discrimination uh, to attrition, high rates of attrition from law firms, um, and as well, uh, very low, uh, low representation in the partnership ranks in particular. Um, so there was a large literature that we were familiar with uh, that led us to believe that we would see some significant differences in satisfaction, and particularly that we would see lower satisfaction among minority attorneys. Um, we did not find that. In fact, we found uh, quite the opposite. Mm. Well, so maybe you could talk a little bit about how the study was actually designed. Like what kind of questions did you ask and what kinds of data were you gathering in relation to those questions? Yes. So uh, we, there was a long questionnaire. This is something the State Bar had been doing on its own for a while where they co collected information about lawyers' practice settings. Um, in private practice, for example, the size of your fir firm, what you do in the firm and alike, your particular practice area. They also obviously um, have information from other kinds of attorneys, whether it's government, not-for-profit, in-house, and the like. Uh, many of those questions were designed uh, around income. We had them also include questions about satisfaction, uh, career satisfaction, as well as satisfaction with the decision to attend uh, law school. We also asked about debt, uh, both the debt incurred as well as remaining debt, uh, because we believe that debt likely uh, relates to attorneys' uh, levels of uh, satisfaction. And the bar had always collected a great deal of demographic information in terms of um, your uh, your race, uh, your where you practice, the, the county uh, to be specific. Um, so we are also able to look at rural versus um, attorneys who are in more metropolitan uh, areas. Uh, so it was a really long, it was a relatively large survey instrument, and we had the two satisfaction uh, questions, as well as um, obviously uh, questions about debt and others that we thought would be uh, related to uh, satisfaction. So, I mean, in general, what are the typical features or factors that correlate with satisfaction? I mean, I take it that making more money would presumably be more satisfying and presumably less debt would be satisfying as well. Are there practice settings that are typically associated with with satisfaction and kind of what were your findings in in relation to sort of what was causing or what what kind of factors were associated with satisfaction among minority attorneys? So that's a that's a very uh, big question in in the sense that um, when you talk about lawyers generally, um, and if you just don't uh, separate out minority attorneys from lawyers uh, generally. What you'll find is very much, I think, what you would expect. Uh, debt lowers the odds of satisfaction. Um, making less money obviously uh, lowers the odds of satisfaction. Um, practice setting is not as salient as you might uh, think, um, largely because attorneys, um, to some extent, self-select uh, their settings. So we do not find, generally speaking, that you know, private practitioners are any more or less happy than other types of attorneys. Um, that being said, there are some significant differences between uh, minorities and white attorneys in terms of the drivers of their satisfaction. Uh, so what we found was that income 
is highly correlated with the satisfaction of white attorneys. But when you just look at the minority attorneys, and here, again, I'm just talking about Hispanic and African-American attorneys, income really does not correlate with their satisfaction. And here we were looking with satisfaction with the decision uh, to attend uh, law school uh, particularly. Uh, Similarly, a variable I didn't mention, but that we also were able to uh, track is academic performance. Uh, Academic performance uh, is correlated with your satisfaction with the decision to attend law school. However, that trend is really only noticeable with respect to white attorneys. So for white attorneys, the higher class rank, generally speaking, the higher your odds of satisfaction. That doesn't mean, of course, that every attorney who graduated the top of his or her classes is satisfied with his or her career or satisfied with his or her decision to attend law school, but there is is a strong correlation there. For minority attorneys, we did not see that correlation. In fact, we found that minorities attorney satisfaction was much more elusive in that it was hard to pinpoint the factors that were driving their satisfaction. Mm. Well, I wonder if you have any hypotheses about why these factors seem less salient to minority attorneys than they are to white attorneys, and whether you have any thoughts about sort of what might have been kind of missing or hard to see in the data that might be relevant to determining satisfaction among minority attorneys? So I think one of the the problems we have with legal profession research generally is a real lack of data. Most of the legal profession research that has been undertaken, empirical legal profession research that's been undertaken, looking at things like incomes and satisfaction, uh, generally speaking, looks at uh, limited data sets whether we're talking about graduates of certain schools, and there's been some fantastic work involving graduates of the Mich- of Michigan Law School as well as Virginia Law School, but those are two law schools. Uh, we have also had um, a heavy focus on lawyers in urban areas, the, the famous Chicago Lawyer Study um, that was updated uh, in the mid-90s. But when you're only looking at graduates of certain schools or looking only at big cities, you're missing a huge percentage of the practicing bar. And as we all know, in the modern age, it's it's very hard to collect uh, survey data, uh, particularly from busy people like lawyers. By working with the state bar, we were able to uh, do that. So I, I think often what happened was we relied on anecdata. So you would have, for example, um, the media report on a small-scale survey of, of law firm associates and you'd find that associates generally were miserable and perhaps the minority associates uh, were even more miserable. Um, and there's generally, I think, a disproportionate focus on big law. I have nothing against big law. I was a big uh, law attorney myself. But we have to remember that is a very, very small part of the legal market. Far more attorneys work in solo practice or in firms with two to five attorneys than there are in big law. And I think we often lose sight of that. And focusing on big law, uh, I think, leads us to form very strong conclusions based on very, very limited data. And in fact, in many cases, uh, based on uh, anecdotes. But even in big law, uh, previous research hasn't found uh, significant differences uh, among minority attorneys vis-a-vis white attorneys when it comes to satisfaction. There have been some small differences detected, um, but Uh, certainly not the kind of differences you might expect on the basis of certain challenges, such as the underrepresentation in the partnership ranks and the like. So what we were able to do by looking at a 
much larger segment of the profession and looking at solos and looking at small firm attorneys, as well as the big law attorneys, is really get a good snapshot of minority attorney satisfaction in the profession. And, and that's why I think we were able to find that their satisfaction didn't seem to be driven by income and did not seem to be driven by how well they did in law school, trends that were, that were much stronger with the white attorney group. So, I mean, just so I have a better sense of it, I mean, it seems like this study was was quite large and involved an awful lot of data. As a consequence, are you pretty confident that the results that you that you got in the study are are accurate, accurate and representative of sort of what's driving attorney satisfaction? Yeah, so certainly I, I feel confident uh, when it comes to Texas. Now, obviously, with survey data, the response rates are never going to be as high as you would like, particularly when you're serving, you know, 90,000 uh, attorneys. Um, that being said, uh, when you have well over 11,000 responses, and what we're able to do is uh, compare the uh, demographics of the respondents to the state bar generally, and they were very close. Um, the only real major difference was that younger attorneys were slightly overrepresented in our results and government attorneys were uh, slightly overrepresented in our results. And we ran various checks um, to ensure that our um, sample was uh, representative. So, for example, one technique that you use is you, is you compare the late responders to the early responders. Uh, that's a way to kind of measure and control for, for non-response uh, bias. Um, so we did that. And I think another advantage of our survey is the survey had always been done as an income survey. So we kind of smuggled the, the satisfaction questions in there. Um, so it wasn't the situation where an attorney who was very satisfied or very dissatisfied would see, aha, satisfaction survey, so I'm going to race in and answer it. Um, so what we were able to do, I think, is really get a good um, cross-section of opinions from a large number of practicing lawyers in a variety of settings in all parts of the state uh, that I feel confident uh, reflect the views of lawyers in Texas. And my confidence is uh, bolstered by the fact that our satisfaction results are consistent with some of the smaller surveys I mentioned earlier, including the very well done longitudinal study uh, the, after the JD study. Mm. Well, so do you have any hypotheses about what factors might be playing a kind of an unexamined or under-recognized role in minority attorney satisfaction if they don't, if minority attorneys don't seem to be responding to the sort of factors that seem to be most salient to, to white attorneys? So there is one factor that I should mention that is salient to both white and, and minority attorneys. Well, there's actually uh, at least a couple. First of all, debt lowers the satisfaction of, of both groups, much as you would uh, expect. Um, however, we had a very interesting finding with respect to our solo practitioners. Working as a solo increases your odds of satisfaction for attorneys generally, uh, but particularly for minority attorneys. We found very, very high levels of satisfaction among the minority uh, solo attorneys in, in particular. And, and we, ha we offer a number of theories for that in the paper. Uh, but before we go into that, I think that in and of itself is worth kind of spending some time on because long-term narrative about solo practitioners has been that they've been under siege, that the economics don't work, uh, that they're obsolete, they're going to be replaced by robots or legal Zoom and alike. Um, if you just look at their satisfaction, there just really isn't any, any evidence for that narrative. Um, and as I said, minority attorneys are uh, particularly uh, satisfied. 
Now, when it comes to why we might see differences between white and minority attorneys, I think you always have to be careful to not paint with too broad a a brush and and to kind of not get too far ahead of your data. Uh, But we do think that there are likely both um, values that predate uh, the entry into the profession, uh, as well as socialization in the profession. And I'm happy to kind of elaborate on both of those. But I, I do not want the solo point to get kind of missed here, because uh, most of the rhetoric we hear about solos, unfortunately, is, is very negative. And, and we just did not, from a satisfaction perspective, um, find support for that. Mm-hmm. Well, which which kind of practice sizes or kind of practice contexts were least correlated with satisfaction. In other words, if you want to be happy, what shouldn't you be doing? Yes. So I think the main point is most attorneys are satisfied. Uh, And, you know, we do not find a strong link between firm size and uh, satisfaction. Uh, That being said, what we did do is compare people in various roles. So we compared uh, solo practitioners to associates. Uh, the associates was a control group, and we compared associates to to, to counsel, managing partners, equity partners, and alike. And what we found was that actually being an equity partner, when you control for income and other things, does not uh, increase your odds of satisfaction. But working as a solo does, and that's across the board. And then we've obviously discussed how it seems to have a particularly large impact on uh, minority solos. So I would say if we're trying to look at the things that make lawyers unhappy, obviously debt increases the odds of um, of dissatisfaction. Uh, working in a non-law capacity, uh, that's something we don't spend a lot of time on this paper, but we spent a little bit of time on in our previous paper, that increases your odds of uh, dissatisfaction. And then, of course, there are the differences between um, you know white attorneys and minority attorneys. So for white attorneys, uh, making little money is going to lower your odds of satisfaction. Uh, whereas that does not seem to uh, really be affecting um, the minority attorney satisfaction. So, so maybe you could talk a little bit about the kind of social and historical factors that you suggest might be playing a role in the sort of unexpectedly high levels of minority attorney satisfaction. So we offer a um, critical race perspective um, on kind of the legal profession. And, and why we use that lens, I think, is – when you are discussing a profession that really until relatively recently, really until the 80s, was very much dominated by, by white men, you have to start questioning the way that the hierarchies are formed. So I think one of the reasons perhaps our result might seem surprising and, and maybe even was surprising to us is because we took, we took the hierarchy and, and, and much legal profession research does this, not to even mention the, the media coverage of this. You take the hierarchy for granted, that it's a given that everyone should want to or does want to work for the most elite uh, firms, you know, the cravats of the world and alike. So that is your baseline. This is the pinnacle of the profession. Everyone should want to and does aspire to work for the cravats of the world. So when that's your kind of baseline, when that's your frame of reference, that's going to kind of affect how you think about other strata of the profession, and, and it might also infect your views on how people in other strata are likely to proceed their careers and their decisions to become uh, lawyers. What we point out in the paper is there's nothing natural or organic about that hierarchy, and actually it was formed at a time when uh, minority attorneys were excluded from the profession. 
So one possibility we float in the paper, and I think that we feel strongly about, but certainly requires more uh, research, is that minority attorneys were never invested in this hierarchy, uh, not only because they were excluded from it for the vast majority of the history, but because that hierarchy also might not serve as other values that could be important to minority uh, communities. And we talk about some qualitative research involving minority attorneys and their distinct uh, values and, and alike. Uh, but separate from the, I think, the, the, the questioning of this hierarchy is you know, we know that people come to law school for different reasons. Um, w- obviously, the one's race could be a part of, of that to the extent that, uh, and there's some research that's, that's shown this, um, that there's more of a desire to help, to help your community or seek justice among certain groups. And we also know within the socialization process, both within law schools and subsequently that different forces are at play, including the dearth of mentors, right, both within law schools and the profession generally. So all these factors, I think, could shape a distinct values and distinct distinctive ways of thinking of careers that are reflected in our data. But of course, uh, I think that additional qualitative research needs to be conducted to kind of support these intuitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought that that part of the paper was really fascinating. And I wonder if you could kind of just to the extent you're comfortable doing it at this point, talk a little bit about some of the kind of qualitative findings and suggestions about, you know, the differing values that might be uh, sort of contributing to this disproportionate level or unexpected level of minority attorney satisfaction. Because I thought that was a really interesting way of kind of thinking about what it means in some communities to be an attorney. Right. Well, first, I think we, we have to realize that um, there are many different kind of models of how to be an attorney, and people have very different conceptions of what it means to be an attorney. If you have an attorney in your community whose job consists largely of helping members of your community, that's a very different conception than the uh, cravath lawyer, you know, working on on uh, in in uh, Midtown Manhattan or, or what have you. Uh, and because of some of the history that we cited earlier, um, for minority attorneys, they're not often going to have that model of the cravath attorney again because they were largely excluded from the. Uh, profession, particularly the upper echelons, the alleged upper echelons of the profession um, for much of American history. So that's going to kind of affect the way you think about lawyer and the lawyer's role in society. But beyond that, uh, and there has been wonderful work conducted with uh, qualitative work on on various um, groups, and we talk about some of the literature, you know, we see that, um, including and after the JD, that minority attorneys are, are more interested in, in, in social justice and, and, and also public interest before they enter um, law school. And, and, and particularly among kind of earlier uh, first generation and alike, there's a real consciousness of righting wrongs. And not to say that, of course, that such sentiments aren't commonly found in, in white attorneys as well. They're, that is quite common, but it, there does seem to be some more prevalence of it among uh, minor, uh, minority uh, groups, and I think that's kind of rooted in the history and the various inequalities that we see in the United States. But I, I do think the law school experience is definitely um, part of that. Uh, there has been a large literature kind of uh, examining this notion of public interest drift, that when law students come to us, 
right? They they're all and they're all want to not all, but many of them want to change the world and fix the world, and and they're really committed to justice. But by the time we're done with them, and I'm saying this as someone who does teach corporate law course on occasion, they are much less um, interested in social justice. And um, even to the extent they're still interested in it, they try to reconcile their passion for public interest justice with some kind of career in the corporate law sphere. Uh, even if not working for a big law firm, maybe for a medium-sized law firm, and maybe working in-house for a corporation. So they try to reconcile that kind of desire to help the public and to advance social justice with this kind of pull they feel uh, to go into these more lucrative sectors of the profession that also, by the way, supply many of the leaders of our uh, profession. I mean, think about the the Supreme Court, the backgrounds of those folks. Think about the background of federal court judges. They're not, generally speaking, solo practitioners. They're not, generally speaking, public defenders. Uh, and this, there's been a lot of speculation about this kind of back and forth about how strong is this public interest drift, how strong are their values beforehand. But what I think is interesting and certainly worth exploring is maybe socialization works differently for minority attorney for minority students as, as, as when compared to white students. And and there could be many different reasons uh, for that, um, including the the dearth of I think um, minority. Uh, kind of uh, faculty, right? Uh, so to the extent that law schools are indoctrinating students in a corporatist uh, orientation, uh, the fact that we uh, have a dearth of minority faculty might make that indoctrination um, less effective. Now, I want to be very clear here. This is speculation on my part, um, but I, I do think that much of the public interest drift literature is focused on white law students, and much of it is very much dated. Uh, and I think we really need to think about the possibility that law school has a very different impact on us, on minority students, than it does on white law students. They might be less invested in the um, in in some of the kind of hierarchies that we expose them to, the, the, this kind of uh, valorizing of of legal practice and big law practice and the crevasse of the world as the pinnacle. Um, again, that's speculation on my part, but it would help to explain why things like um, income and uh, things like to graduate the top of the class don't seem to be having much of an effect on minority uh, attorneys' satisfaction. So um, I, to follow up on that, I mean, I wonder if you could reflect briefly on whether you think there are any potential kind of lessons or things to think about uh, with respect to legal education kind of coming out of the findings of your study. And specifically, like, are there do you have any thoughts about things that maybe the study suggests we might do as educators to better serve our minority law students and sort of help give them or help like facilitate them, you know, kind of moving in a direction of success and happiness with their, with their profession? So I, I think there's kind of two main answers to that question. I think one problem, and again, I'm not going to pretend that I'm neutral on this issue. Uh, I, I really do think the academy would benefit from uh, more uh, commitment to legal profession research. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the academy general, um, the size of the, the 
the of the number of folks across the nation who look at legal ethics and legal profession issues is pretty small compared to other segments of of the academy. So I think one problem we have is, quite frankly, we don't have a lot of folks looking at these issues. We don't have a lot of folks looking at lawyers' careers, their trajectories, their incomes, their satisfaction. And so when we do have work, sometimes it's done well, sometimes it's not uh, done so well. And we tend to seize on you know information that gets a lot of attention, whether it's in the news media and alike. So I think first, we need to think about why um, there maybe we haven't given as much attention to these issues as perhaps they deserve, given that we're at least theoretically in the business of training lawyers, yet we know very little about lawyers' careers. Now, that is admittedly one of my hobby horses, so I'll quickly get off <laughs> to kind of answer the second part of your question. I think the biggest thing we can do, uh, and I think we're all guilty of this, um, is listen, you know, and not assume. Right. I think particularly given the backgrounds of law professors, we kind of assume implicitly that anyone who can work for a big law firm not only should, but wants to. And that that's going to open up all these doors and that's going to be very integral to this person's career. And in many cases, it might be. And as I point out in the article, as we point out in the article, uh, for minority attorneys, you know, big law uh, opportunities can open a lot of doors and can allow them to accumulate social capital and to move to other areas of the profession that they might find more rewarding. Uh, but we shouldn't just assume that that's the path uh, for everyone. And I, I mean this for both minority students and white law students. We shouldn't presume, and I don't think we're really in a good position to assume based on our lack of connection often to the profession, that we know what direction our students should go in. So I think we need to kind of listen to them and expose them to a number of different uh, career paths. And I can tell you that I, I think we're, we've been pretty derelict in this regard. I think it's conceivable that students go a couple years in law school without knowing what an in-house counsel is or does. Um, I think it's conceivable that law students go throughout much of law school without actually interacting or hearing from a solo practitioner in any meaningful fashion. Um, so I think we, we really should expose our students to more segments of the profession and also make clear to them that their first jobs are not going to dictate necessarily the rest of their careers. So a combination of listening to our students and kind of what motivates them and their values and exposing them to the incredible diversity of career paths, I think could make legal education stronger and really help our students. Uh, and I think we have quite a ways to go in, in those regards. Mm. So Milan, as, as I understand it, you're among other things interested in the kind of professional values of lawyers and how we might sort of rely more on those professional values to improve the quality of the legal profession. Uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how this project might fit into your larger project, kind of thinking about the values of lawyering. I think that lawyers often get a bit of a bad rap. And because they get a bit of a bad rap, um, I, I think there is lack of attention paid to the many important um, functions we serve. So everyone, of course, understands the notion of lawyer as zealous advocate, uh, or if you prefer, the lawyer as hired gun. Uh, but you know, even for white attorneys, yes, income affects their satisfaction. 
Uh, but the notion that lawyers are so money hungry that they're going to abandon their commitment to the profession and that they're not going to, for example, do things like check their clients' excesses, I think is, is questionable. Uh, lawyers are motivated by a wide variety of things. As, as our research shows, it's not just purely a matter of income, right? It's not just purely a matter of becoming an equity partner. And in fact, uh, if you do become an equity partner, you're not necessarily at higher odds of satisfaction than, than others. Um, so I think there's a lot more going on in terms of how attorneys conceive of their careers. That I think allows for um, the possibility that attorneys, if our value seriously can do things uh, like try to effectuate compliance with the law. And, and this has kind of been a longstanding problem with the profession. And every time there's a crisis like Enron and the like, we kind of wring our hands and say, why aren't lawyers doing this? Why aren't lawyers doing that? And we kind of say, well, lawyers are just hired guns and the like. Uh, but I, I think there really are many different kind of modes of lawyering. And perhaps by understanding that other modes of lawyering besides just the hired gun can bring satisfaction, I think there's the real possibility to have lawyers uh, engage in ways with their clients, uh, whether it be uh, governments or individuals or corporations or what have you, uh, that make everyone uh, better off. So I would tie this empirical research as kind of giving us a much more nuanced look at what motivates lawyers, at least from a satisfaction perspective, which opens up possibilities uh, for lawyers to serve as other things than strictly hired guns. Awesome. Well, Milan, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed talking with you about this fascinating empirical research, and I look forward to reading your subsequent work from the same data set. Well, th thank you so much. We do have an article coming out that actually looks at um, gender and particularly uh, high-achieving women in the legal profession. And it's a real treat to talk about this. Um, and uh, obviously, I have way too much passion when it comes to studying uh, the profession. And, and you're just doing a great public service uh, by um, exposing uh, folks in the academy and outside of it to all kinds of different research. So thank you for the service you provide uh, to us all. Thanks, Milan. I appreciate it.
Homicide. Tell us, Sergeant Booker. Why don't you bring her down to myself? Strip for a search and down the hall to the shower. Foot, foot, foot. Look, the girl may be innocent, but she looks guilty to me. I have studied the case. 